This episode of the Policy Options Podcast is supported by saferskies.ca. For Canadian pilots, safety is the first priority, but they are concerned about proposed regulations that would expect pilots to fly at night for 10 and a half hours straight. While that's better than the current outdated rules, it's still two hours beyond the limits established in NASA fatigue research. To find out more, check out saferskies.ca. Welcome to the Policy Options Podcast. I'm Jennifer Ditchburn, Editor-in-Chief of Policy Options. This coming weekend, French voters will head to the polls to cast ballots in the runoff election for their president. The vote pits Emmanuel Macron, the leader of the new centrist En Marche movement, against populist right-wing candidate Marine Le Pen, who was until recently also the leader of the Front National. It's a fascinating political story that saw the two powerful mainstream parties set aside by voters and two disruptors capture the imagination of the electorate. Some of the same issues that caused upheavals in the UK and in the US are also swirling around this campaign, namely income inequality and immigration. The question of membership in the European Union is also a major theme. Someone who's watching this all unfold with great interest is Marc Lorty, a former Canadian diplomat who was ambassador to France from 2007 to 2012. He joined us on the podcast from his home in Victoria, and notre conversation se déroulait en français et en anglais. Marc Lorty, welcome to the Policy Options Podcast. Merci. So, Marc, how did we get to this point where the two traditional mainstream parties, the Republicans and the Socialists, basically saw their support collapse in the first round of the French presidential election? Well, fundamentally, the French were looking for change and profound change in their political system. And therefore, they have been waiting for a long time. You ask me, I was there for for five years under the Sarkozy regimes. But you have to remember one thing with the French political situation. They wanted, under the Chirac presidency, 12 years. He had the mandate uh, to really reform France, and he did not do it. They elected in 2007 Nicolas Sarkozy, who campaigned on a on a, on a promise to reform and restructure the French political and economic system, and did not deliver it. They, therefore, he was rejected in 2012. And then they elected François Hollande. They went for the alternative, the traditional alternative, going from the right to the left. They elected François Hollande, and François Hollande uh, proved to be uh, incapable uh, to reform uh, France, and and therefore that's how we could explain from a rather short historical background the uh, the profound dissatisfaction of the French with their political elites. So let's just back up a little bit. What what kind of reforms are you talking about that? people in France wanted to see in their country? Well, they find that their system is too, uh, is too static, too rigid. And of course, being divided between the left and the right for the last 50 years, well, some people are arguing that uh, they need more 
social uh, program. And already in France, more than 56% of the GDP is is uh, 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 involved is is uh, involved in the uh, with state program. Therefore, it is not a small, but some people wish to have more. And the right saying no, it is uh, we have to be much more liberal than that. We have pro market and so on and so forth. And therefore, at the same time. The French had the impression that their system was not working, too rigid, because their rate of unemployment is over 10%, very, very, uh, much higher as far as the young generation is concerned. And they look at Germany, and Germany is at 4%. Wow. And, and much really? higher in the north, right, in, in northern France? And, the... much, and much higher in the north and, and being challenged in the south as well. Therefore, the French are worried about the fact that they are kind of left behind on their continent. Uh, despite Brexit, uh, Britain is doing better and Germany is doing better. Therefore, wow, well, what should we do? And we have to address fundamental questions and les carrières, as they say in French, the political uh, establishment is a long-term business in France. Les Carrieris did not deliver the goods for the French and they were they wanted to have change and profound change. And that's the reason they kick off the, the left and the right to go for two outsiders. Mais qu'est-ce qui a empêché uh, les anciens présidents? Vous avez mentionné Sarkozy, Hollande, Chirac. C'est quoi qui a empêché ces, ces gens-là de faire les réformes? que justement les peuples voulaient? Écoutez, il y a beaucoup de freins dans la société française. Aussitôt que quelqu'un propose des réformes en profondeur, Chirac a essayé avec son, son ancien premier ministre, Alain Juppé, en 1995, de faire des réformes. La rue s'est... Euh, Uh, c'est uh, monté contre l'Élysée et il y a eu des manifestations, des démonstrations. Et, et plutôt que de les affronter, même si uh, c'était très difficile pour le gouvernement d'alors, uh, Chirac a uh, annoncé uh, la dissolution de l'Assemblée nationale et hop, les socialistes sont arrivés au pouvoir. Il a été en cohabitation pendant cinq ans. Et euh, pendant ces cinq années-là, ben, c'était une, une danse entre qui allait faire, euh, qui allait faire quoi entre l'Élysée et, le, le, et Matignon, qui est le siège du gouvernement, le siège du premier ministre. Alors, ils étaient en période de cohabitation pour cinq ans, et c'est ce qui explique l'arrivée euh, de Jean-Marie Le Pen à l'élection présidentielle de 2012. Mais je vous raconte quelque chose qui date déjà depuis de 15 ans. Mais euh, il y a 15 ans, euh, les Français avaient euh, euh, choisi pour le deuxième tour pour faire face à Chirac euh, Jean-Marie Le Pen et non pas le candidat socialiste, ce qui a été un choc euh, dans l'esprit des Français terrible. Cette fois-ci, le choc est moins grand et c'était peut-être un peu plus dangereux pour la scène politique. Why do you think that? 
Because Marine is uh, more astute than her father uh, was. Her father was a street fighter and remains at the age of 88 a street fighter. And, uh, but Marine is, uh, is, uh, is a very skillful politician and she had uh, started a few years ago since she got the leadership from her father, the leadership of the uh, Front National. She got the leadership uh, from her. She decided to change the image and soften the image of the Front National. No more confrontation, no more. It was a approach of to be, you know, a very uh, matter-of-fact Front National like any other party. Did not change the rhetoric, but changed the style. And therefore, she was most successful. Having said that, I have to say that her campaign was a little flat. I was expecting a more aggressive uh, or dynamic campaign on her part, but she did not vary from her, um, her approach to soften the tone of the Front National. So you think she was, she was trying to be very careful, it sounds like, not she make was any very mistakes? Careful. And... She was very uh, successful in the previous regional and municipal elections that took place in the two previous years in France. She was, she was at 25 and 27%. And therefore, a lot of commentators and a lot of sondage, a lot of polls, in uh, not the, re the most recent one, but in the last, let's say, in the last six months, always placed Marine Le Pen as coming first on the first round and at an average of 26, 28 percent. And this time, in the, in the, just to remind our, our listeners that she came in uh, in this first runoff with 21.3%. That's correct. She came in at 21.3%, and she was not the first one on the ballot. She was the second one, uh, the second one behind Emmanuel Macron, somebody uh, really a political, a new political rising star in the French firmament, uh, uh, that was unknown a year ago. That is the phenomenon of that election. The phenomenon is this young man, Emmanuel Macron, who is not a man from a party, he does not belong to a party, does not have a party, and suddenly he's coming on top with 24% in the first round, and, uh, and despite that the fact we still have a campaign to go, a two-week campaign to go, um, the probability that Marine, will, Marine Le Pen will defeat him are very small. Not, uh, not non-existent, but remain very small today. On, on entend uh, dire uh, ici, en, en tout cas au Canada et aux États-Unis, c'est similaire, ce qui, ce qui arrive en France est similaire de ce qu'on voit aux États-Unis. Est-ce que la comparaison est bonne ou trop facile? Je trouve que la comparaison est beaucoup trop facile. Le, le, le phénomène Le Pen est un phénomène en France qui est profond dans la société française et qui date 
du début des années 70 et que depuis ces années-là, il croît d'année en année. Même si Marine a fait 21,4 au premier tour, et sans doute les forces, euh, les forces du Front national en sont, en sont peut-être déçues, elle a gagné un million de votes de plus qu'elle a eu la dernière fois. Un million de Français sont venus appuyer son mouvement. Elle a réussi sa campagne de dédiabolisation de, du Front national qui est considéré par beaucoup de Français maintenant comme un parti normal dans le paysage politique, alors qu'il y a cinq ans, il était considéré comme un parti paria, si je peux me permettre une expression euh, très, très dure ici. Euh, ceci dit, euh, le, le phénomène Trump euh, aux États-Unis est un phénomène... Les deux sont des, sont des politiciens disons, de, de type populiste, protectionniste, on ferme les barrières, c'est les étrangers qui causent les problèmes, ils ont les mêmes thématiques, mais euh, le phénomène le phénomène, euh, le phénomène Le Pen est plus profond dans la société française. Let's talk a bit about um, Emmanuel Macron. Uh, do you think that he can manage to do things differently? Uh, can he take this en, en marche movement and actually affect the change that people in France are calling for? Well, you know, I mean, that, is, that will be his, his big challenge. Uh, and his big challenge, the beauty with him uh, is that uh, he did a great campaign and he has been campaigning for the last six months, but his campaign was optimistic forward-looking, looking at the future, talking to the new generation, saying you are too pessimistic about France and the future. Globalization is something that we could tackle. And he was the only one to speak so favorably and so positively about the European Union. We've got to embrace the European Union and we've got to ensure that the European Union and all the partners are working for all of us. And therefore, suddenly, he has this message of optimism, of hope, that was, you know, that, that was extremely attractive for an electorate that were frustrated on the left and frustrated on the right. And they went and supported him as a centrist candidate, but he never de he has never defined himself as a centrist himself. He defines himself that he's neither from the right nor from the left, and therefore we take good ideas on on the left we took we take good ideas on the right, and we ensure that we work for The, the, the betterment of the French society and the French people, and we are going to be able to compete in the world and therefore embracing globalization and embracing the European Union, which I thought it was a very refreshing message uh, in, in France. It's interesting. He's sort of a, a kind of a post-partisan kind of politician, but he has to still live within a very partisan system. And... I'm hoping, so right. I'm hoping you can explain to our listeners this complicated situation that he finds himself in 
um, and maybe tell us a bit about what cohabitation means in, in the French system. Well, the cohabitation is, uh, we will see what will happen in June. You should not forget that the presidential election in France has been built under the Fifth Republic created by General, the General de Gaulle in 1958 to have the presidential election being followed a month later by the legislative election. Therefore, they're going to elect their parliament or the National Assembly on June 11, and the second round will be June 18. And there, there is a huge danger for Macron because Macron does not have a party. Therefore, he may be elected on the 7th of May, which is the date, the Sunday of the second round of the election, but to implement a program he will need to have the legislative body on his side. Therefore, is he going to be able to convince enough member of parliament to support his agenda, not having a party himself? Therefore, a lot of people on the left and a lot of people on the right are going to say, we are going to support the agenda of the new president, but we just don't know. The Legislative elections in France uh, in, in this coming month of June are going to be crucial for, uh, for the agenda of the president. So how does it work on, like, as, a, as a voter? Uh, do you go and cast a ballot and you know that the candidate in your area has declared themselves to be in favor of the new president and, and his, his pro project, or his platform? Or, yeah. or do you anticipate there will be en marche uh, candidates that will suddenly appear? I think we'll have a combination of both. I think we'll have a combination of both. We'll have to wait till, uh, till the, uh, uh, the results of the second election, and we should not anticipate too much at this stage. But we have to wait till, uh, you know, uh, what will happen on May 7 to see how it's going to work. But one thing that you're going to see, however, is that today you have only two members of the Front National being at the National Assembly. Out of, Very out likely, of how many? I think there's, is it 570? I'm going to mix up the number for how many there are in the, in the National it Assembly. Is, it, is about, it is 575 or, you know, it could be a little bit more... Uh, uh, now, but therefore they have only two. They are almost, uh, you know, an obscure uh, force in the National Assembly. This time around, if they're going to be strong and they are on the second round and they are a highly organized and structured party across France, they're going to elect a big bunch of members of parliament uh, uh, of the Front National, and that will change the dynamic inside the National Assembly in France. But it remains to be seen. You know, I don't want to anticipate too much. It remains to be seen how things, uh, how things will materialize. And having said that, uh, 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 Monsieur Macron uh, could not uh, sleep on his laurel uh, uh, in the next 10 days because 
uh, Marine Le Pen is going to have a very forceful campaign, and it's it's one on one. It'll be they will have a debate on May third, and therefore four days before the vote. Uh, that debate is watched by millions and millions of French voters, and it is it is a key. And that's it is at that debate five years ago that uh, François Hollande demonstrated against Nicolas Sarkozy that he could be the the president of all the French, and therefore uh, that will be an important debate that will that will have a, an impact on the on the vote on May 7. So probably a, f a fewer dinners at La Rotonde in, in the next little while. <laughs> um, just pour, uh, pour finir, pour le Canada, uh, c'est quoi les thèmes ou les, nos intérêts dans cette élection? Uh, si vous étiez toujours l'ambassadeur de Canada en France, uh, ça serait quoi vos, votre avis au gouvernement canadien en ce moment? Écoutez, euh, pour le Canada, l'arrivée sur la scène politique française et européenne d'un Emmanuel Macron est une source de réjouissance pour deux raisons. La première, c'est que notre accord de libre-échange qui s'appelle euh, l'accord euh, général économique et commercial qui a été signé euh, au plus haut niveau et qui est en voie de ratification, a maintenant s'embarque dans la phase de mise en œuvre. Et je crois que c'est un accord, c est, c est, cet accord sera l'accord par excellence pour le commerce international au cours des prochaines années et un président français en faveur, en faveur de cet accord, en faveur de l'Europe est un signe très positif. Parce que si, euh, si le contraire se produit, eh bien, euh, on va avoir, on va avoir une, une Europe euh, très affaiblie, une France qui va vouloir sortir de l'euro, une France qui va vouloir sortir des institutions européennes, sans mentionner l'OTAN, mais certainement du point de vue de, des institutions européennes. Alors, du point de vue de l'économie, de la politique, de la sécurité internationale, euh, l'alternative Marine Le Pen est un nuage très sombre pour, euh, pour, le, pour le Canada et l'Amérique du Nord en général. L'arrivée de Macron euh, sera, euh, sera vue comme un geste de, euh, positif. Ceci dit, euh, ce n'est pas la fin de Marine Le Pen si elle perd euh, le deuxième tour le 7 mai. Le Front National est un parti bien ancré, bien établi dans, les, dans toutes les régions de la France. Ils ont réussi à se dédiaboliser de leur image du père Jean-Marie Le Pen et ils vont continuer à, à gagner du terrain. Et, euh, et ce sera fascinant à suivre et ce sera le grand défi du prochain président, de la prochaine Assemblée nationale, de démontrer qu'ils sont en mesure non pas d'appliquer de, euh, des petites réformettes, mais de bien réformer la France pour faire face à la musique de la globalisation. Could you see 
Macron and Trudeau, and there's a, many people that see very, a lot of similarities between these two leaders, but could you see them being sort of global allies? I would say so, but Macron is, I don't know, I, I don't, uh, I'm not sure if Macron knows us uh, well, or, but uh, there is no doubt that they will they will be on the same wavelength on the international stage, is no doubt in my mind. They will be very close ally on the majority of issues. And it is quite interesting that we have not discussed the idea of refugees and immigration, but of all the candidates uh, in, in the French election, Macron was the most open-minded, the most positive on that. And, and therefore, that's where the two will certainly see eye to eye. Marc Lortzi, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Well, it's always a pleasure, Jennifer. If there's a topic or guest you want to hear on this podcast, then make sure to let us know. Send in your suggestions by tweeting at IRPP, by writing on the IRPP's Facebook wall, or sending an email to irpp at irpp.org. The Policy Options Podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and your favorite podcast app. So don't forget to subscribe. A special thanks to saferskies.ca for their support of the Policy Options Podcast this week. Thanks for listening.